Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of the Good Life Radio Show, a special afternoon edition of the show. A lot to talk about today, as New York is yet again the epicenter of the sporting world, from the Knicks finally winning a playoff series in Boston, to the Rangers being down 0-2, the Islanders losing 2-1 in overtime. But all that's going to stop, because football is a 12-month-a-year sport, 
and I'm honored to interview right now, without further ado, the six foot seven offensive lineman from the few, former Houston Texan, former Kansas City Chief, Eric Winston. Eric, what's up, bro? Thank you so much for calling my show, man. What are you up to? No problem. Thanks for having me. Eric, yeah, I'm really glad to have you, man. First things first, why is adorable, reliable Eric Winston, who started 103 consecutive games, still a free agent? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, you know, it, the NFL works in a lot of funny ways, and um, you know, I, I think the right situation will have for, happen for me. It's just uh, it's going to take some time. Now, last year you signed a four-year deal with the Chiefs for $22 million. You play one year, and in the cruel world of the NFL, the Chiefs release you. Shocked? What's your feeling like about that? No, you know, I, I thought when they, they brought Brandon back on a franchise tag that there was a good chance that they will probably end up drafting uh, offensive linemen the way it kind of looked out, and that's what happened. So, you know, I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't too surprised, especially, like I said, when I saw Brandon got franchised. So, uh, like, you know, it's just, like you said, it's, it's the way it goes, unfortunately. Uh, you know, but in, in a way, for me, unfortunately, the draft was really top-heavy with tackles, and there was a lot of good ones to, to be had coming out of the college ranks. And, and so that kind of made me expendable on KZ. Now, Eric, how frustrating is it? You signed a deal with the Chiefs, you're thinking security for your family, all that money, and then, boom, it's gone. Like, how do you prepare for that for one year? You think $22 million, you're okay now, and then one year it's gone. Yeah, you know, I, that's that's the contract structure of the NFL. You know, you you you, you don't worry about what the uh, the top end is, and unless you play it out, you only worry about what the guaranteed part. And I knew the guaranteed part was was uh, was only gonna you know definitely keep me there for one year. And and I thought there was a possibility that we could you could play it out for two or three years, but that's just the way they they do contracts now. And and it's I think it's unfortunate in a lot of ways, but I, I think if you're if you're prepared for that, if you if, if you know what uh, the real uh, the real possibilities are, then you know you don't let the you don't let that kind of side uh, affect you. Now, Eric, ESPN has a great time playing the clip over and over, and I was glad you did it. But Matt Castle gets hurt in a game. The fans in Arrowhead cheer like you guys win the Super Bowl for Brady Quinn to come in, basically cheering for Castle that he got hurt. Absolutely disgusting. You had a great interview and you called it sickening behavior by the fans. I know you said Brent, you know they franchised Albert. Do you think that had anything to do with your release? You know, I, I really don't. Um, I, I think it just had a, had more, a lot more to do with um, the way the franchise was going. Like I said, what what was happening in the drafts at the time. I, I think it was just a, a culmination of a lot of things. To, to, to be honest with you, I, you know, I just feel like the franchise was moving that way. I, I honestly feel like if um, you know, maybe even I think sometimes too when. Uh, a new franchise, a, a new GM comes in, new head coach. You know, they tend to they tend to move in other directions as well. I, I really feel like if if Philly was still there, I, I would probably still be there. So it's just uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of different things that, that factor in. You know, who knows if there was a big time quarterback at the top of the draft, if there was uh, you know other big time offensive players other than tackle where KC you know might not go tackle. Then you know, like I said, maybe. Maybe there's a possibility I'm still there. So it, there's just there's so many things I think playing to effect, and, and it just didn't work out that great for me. But yeah, I can't complain. I, you know, I, the season was tough in KC, but at the same time, it was a lot of fun to play for a, a very historic franchise like that. And now it's just time to move on. Now, so many message boards think you're going to end up with Miami. That's if you Google Eric Winston, so much stuff comes up mm-hmm. with the Dolphins. You're going to go home. It's where you played ball. Any truth to those rumors, or do you have any idea? Because if you Google your name. Cowboys, Chargers, Texans, Dolphins, every name comes up that they're interested. What about going back to Miami? 
Yeah, it's not looking likely. You know, they just signed uh, Tyson Claybo, who I think is a good player, probably even better person. And, uh, you know, he looks like he's going to probably be their starter at right tackle. So I doubt that that's probably a possibility now. I, I thought so maybe a week or two ago that that was a good possibility, but uh, they decided to go in that direction. So, you know, uh, your guess is probably as good as mine about right now. You know, it's, uh, I think it's just going to come down to a, a team uh, deciding that that's a real need for them. And, you know, who knows? You know, there's a lot of teams, I think, trying out young guys right now. And, and uh, if things don't work out during an OTA period, that they could, uh, they could realize that they – they want to they want to bolster that position and uh, you know so I'm I'm kind of stuck in the waiting game right now but you know hopefully it won't be for too long. Now speaking of Miami, you grew up in Texas. Why did you choose the U? You were heavily recruited. Why the U? You know it was a, it was a situation for me. I thought you know a lot of different reasons. A when I was uh, in high school, we were I was fortunate enough to be on a really good team. We won uh, three state championships in four years. I was there. Really two. Two state championships that I, of the teams I was on because one was a freshman and I didn't I wasn't on the varsity at that point so um, that was something that I experienced that was just awesome we won a lot of games we had a great uh, program and and when I was coming out of uh, out of high school I was a tight end as well so I was more of an inline blocker obviously could catch the ball ran pretty well but uh, Oklahoma Texas Tech those teams were running the spread at that time I didn't fit into them and I really thought I was going to be a tight end. Uh, Texas A&M was uh, R.C. Slocum was on his way out there, and um, it just didn't seem like it. But I didn't want to go somewhere. I thought maybe the coach might get fired, and/or we might not, you know, have a chance to really win a national championship. Things didn't click at Texas for me, and I just uh, I took a trip to Miami, just kind of thinking it'd be a fun place to go for a weekend, and and uh, you know saw the success they had and wanted to, wanted to see what it was all about. And I ended up getting down there and just saying I thought it was a a great place just to spend four years and. Uh, it turned out to be that way. I learned a lot. Learned a lot about myself, and it was a, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to just completely get out of the elements of, uh, of of being home or being in the state that you uh, were born and grew up in. And uh, I certainly did that in Miami. And then 2006, you go back to the Texans. You fall to the third round of the draft when you were projected higher. What's going through your mind during the draft? Did you think you were going to go that low? And were you excited to go back to Houston to play in Texas? Yeah, no, I dropped like a rock. Um, <laughs> I, I thought I was going to be um thought I was going to be a, a end of the first early round early second round pick. There's a lot of teams that said you know if I got to them they were picking me and and so I was I was excited and I really thought that uh, things were gonna things were really gonna work out there and it, you know the draft kind of like free agency right now just didn't fall my way and uh, I think teams that that had a need either they, some of them trade their picks for other players uh, a couple teams signed I remember a couple teams that were really excited about me signed guys in free agency and or you know they decided to go another direction so a lot of teams that said that they were going to draft me or said if i was there that that was going to be a heavy consideration i ended up going other ways and um and i just dropped and dropped and dropped and i finally got to the first uh part of the third round and texans had the first two picks of the third and took uh myself and took charles spencer who was another offensive lineman out of pittsburgh and you know, at the end of the day, it ended up being probably the best thing for me because I think the offense and uh, and the, how young of a team we were let me grow up and let me play a lot and, and let me develop it into a system I was probably best suited for. But uh, at the time it's happening, you think the world's collapsing. So I've, I've had a, I've had my run of it already in the NFL with uh, being disappointed at first and then ending up in a good situation. So I'm uh, I'm definitely hoping that's what happens uh, again. You know, no, it's gonna. Now, your first contract. What's the big first outlandish purchase you make with your contract? 
you know what? I'm a pretty conservative guy, so I didn't um, I didn't uh, didn't do much. I I bought a small townhouse near the facility. Um, I I bought a used uh, BMW 745. Um, is uh, you know I guess that was probably the most outlandish thing I did was uh, buy a used uh, BMW big body. That's uh, I love that car. Kind of growing up, always thought it was really cool. So I uh, I bought that and had that for two or three years and. Uh, ended up getting back to driving a truck here in Texas. So that was about it. You know, I'm, like I said, I, I'm not, uh, I, you know, I don't need the toys. I don't need the things, the kind of the crazy stuff uh, that, that a lot of guys do. And, and that's okay, too. I think if you can afford it, you need to do something. You know, this job is so hard. And I some of the vets I remember uh, that you know, telling me this, that, you know, make sure you do something for yourself. It doesn't have to be crazy, but whether you like watches, you like cars, if you can afford it, you should definitely do it. And I remember that, and it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, you know, the, the season can be really tough, and it can be a grind. And if you don't, you don't. If there's not a reward at the end of the day for doing what you're doing, I think you kind of miss the point of why you're doing it. And I think you know, when you get in that off season, it's such a generous off season that you need to do something. And so I've, I've taken some trips and, and done some things that way. And but at the end of the day, I'm a pretty conservative guy with my money. I don't spend a lot of it. I like to save, and uh, you never know what's going to happen. Like you said, you never know when you're going to get cut, and you're going to need it. So I just, like I said, I didn't do anything nuts, but I got some nice stuff. I got some. I got all the nice things I need, and I got a family now, and and uh, I just, uh, I really like the fact that I'm, I'll be able to support them for for as long as I need to. That's awesome. Okay, a couple more questions. This is a cliche question, but I always ask every person who comes on my show, what is your welcome to the NFL moment? When did it hit you like, I'm in the NFL, this just happened, did a big defensive line? Like, what happened was your welcome to the NFL moment? Oh, like, man, there was, a, there was a couple of them. Um, <laughs> you know, the one thing I'll never forget, this is kind of funny, was uh, I, we, I came into the NFL, and we had some older guys on the team with the Texans. We had some... We had some vets that were 10-year-plus vets that had played for a while, and we had a guy from Nebraska that played here. I was actually in front of me, and we had a new tight end coach and a whole new system because Coach Kubiak, that was Coach Kubiak's first year, and, you know, the tight end coach was upset with him for not uh, doing it, and he had kind of been a college coach, so he had been more of a screamer and more of a yeller because some, sometimes the guys that have been in the NFL for a while, they realize they you can, you can yell at the young guys, but if you start yelling at the older guys, you're going to start uh, – getting some cross looks and you're going to start to having some problems with some of the older guys because they're not too much, uh, they're not too far apart in age wise compared to, compared to you. But so this uh, tight end coach is starting to get after one of the vets you know, and I mean vets, so he wasn't even like me. He was probably has four or five years from I am now on me. So yeah, the, the vet final looks at him about, you know, day two or day three OTAs and then kind of <laughs> and threatens the coach and tells them in no uncertain terms that if, he keeps yelling at them the way he is that they're going to have some big problems. And I was sitting right behind that. And I just, I never had seen anything like that in my entire life. And the way, the way he got right in the coach's face and let him have it was just something that, you know, I was just so taken aback. I looked around and some other guys were just like, yep, that's the way it happens, you know? And, and it was just like, it was just like nothing had happened. And I'm looking around with a, with my mouth open, wondering what's going to happen now. You know, is is is, is this guy going to get cut? I mean, is it, it was just business as usual. Right after that, and I, I just I'll never forget that moment. You know, it was my OTAs. It was the first one of the first practices I'm ever at as a rookie, and this happens right in front of me. And I'm thinking the world's going to end. And of course, it just 
business as usual for the rest of the practice. And, uh, you know, that was something that I just kind of opened my eyes and I realized I was in a different place than where I used to be. Now, I'm curious about this. As a huge football fan, take me through the NFL free agent process. Like, you go to visit a team. I know how the recruiting process goes. What do you do when you go visit a team? You just visit the Dolphins or the Cowboys. You say, do, what do they do to you? How do you present yourself? How, how do you guys sell each other? I'm always curious about the free agent process. Yeah, you know, it's something that yeah, I, I think it's a lot different from the college aspect due to, you know, in the college aspect, they're trying to sell you on them. You know, you got to pick them. In a way, the market kind of dictates where guys are going to go. I mean, let's face it, there's not a lot of guys that are going to a place that they can get more money somewhere else. So, I mean, you know, it, it's usually to the team. The team shows the player how much they want them by how much money they're willing to, to give them. And uh, and so that that's kind of how it dictates. Now, the team's not necessarily selling the guy, hey, you need to come here, you need to be here. But at the same time, they do – they do try to present you as, hey, this is a good place to play, it's a good place for your family, et cetera, et cetera. But the, I, I think the big things from a team's perspective is they're trying to get you in. They want to, they want to give you a physical. They want to make sure that you're healthy. They want to make sure that, you're, uh, that, that you can still play, that there's nothing wrong with you. And so that's, that's kind of that's what they end up doing. So, they, you know, if you have, um, um, have any injuries, if you had any surgeries, they want to know about them. Sometimes, depending on the teams, they'll take x-rays and they'll ask for, you know, certain x-rays of certain parts of your body that might have been banged up the year before, things like that. So that's that's kind of, that's the big, big thing that they want you to do. As you get later in the offseason, like we are here, some teams will want to just see a, a, a small workout, see you do some things, just see you run around a little bit, make sure, like, again, you're, you're injury-free, make sure you're in shape and that uh, that you're ready to go. So that, those are the big things, I think, uh, uh, with any any visit, whether it's early on the, the free agency process or now. Obviously, you meet with a position coach. You want to have a decent rapport with him and, and Mike. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, 90% of the time, it's about the dollars and cents, and, and uh, guys just have to make decisions from there. I love the honesty. Okay, a couple of personal questions. You go to the U. You're in a fraternity. You're a star football player. Would you have stayed 20 years as a college student down there living that life? <laughs> you know, Miami was a, a very interesting place to go to college because a lot of people's picture the University of Miami as this big public school that, uh, you know, girls in bikinis are walking around everywhere, and that's how you go to class and swim shorts. But, it's a, you know, it's actually a small college. It's a small private school, non-denominational private school. And it's pretty tough to get in, and the cost floats pretty tough. And it's like I said, it's small. It's ten, twelve thousand kids. So if the campus isn't very big, it's it's a different kind of feel to what you're saying. Now, while saying that, obviously Miami and South Florida in general give you a lot of uh, options. And so being able to explore the city, being able to, to to explore the nightlife and do all the things like that is is something else all all together as well. So. It was a lot of fun. I tell you what, at the end of the day, I was actually ready to leave Miami just from the standpoint of I felt like I had done a lot there. I had accomplished a lot there. And at the same time, I've seen seen all I wanted to see. And I was, I was ready to move on. But at the end of the day, you know, South Florida is a special place. And, you know, you know there's no doubt that, you know, there's a possibility I'm, I could move back there at some point and, and see my family moving back there. Maybe not Miami area, but maybe – you know, up the coast a little bit, Fort Lauderdale or Boca or someone like that, because it uh, it definitely is a, is a special place, I think, and for for anybody to see.
Now, I love asking this question because I love hearing the array of responses. I take Eric Winston's phone right now. You want to impress somebody. Who's the coolest person in your phone? We've had the craziest answers. I just want to know who the coolest person in your phone is. You want to impress somebody and show off. Who's in your phone? The coolest person on my phone. God, I'm I'm so not cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll, uh, I'll play that. You know, I don't know. I don't know who you think's cool. You know, I guess it would depend on who I'm trying to impress. You know, I got uh, I got some funny numbers, I guess, and names in here. I guess if you're from Texas, I got some uh, Texas country singers in here that uh, that I stay in touch with here and there. That uh, you probably wouldn't know being from uh, from up in the Northeast, but they're pretty big here in Texas. The guy. Josh Abbott, Pat Green, and, and things like that. Those are pretty big Texas country singers that are that are really big. The pack houses here in in Texas, but uh, but probably aren't well known up in the Northeast. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, you know, you know, Kirk Herb Street type guys. You know, know some of the obviously the ex football players slash um, some of those broadcasting guys that I've run into over the course. So you know, I, I don't have any big names. I don't have any George Bushes or any. Uh, any former presidents or anything like that uh, on my phone. So it's I live a I live a pretty lame existence, I think, sometimes. But at the same time, I've also been able to do a lot of fun things. All right. I have to ask you this question because I'm always curious now. With Jason Collins coming out as the first openly gay basketball player, do you think it would ever be an issue for an openly gay football player in the locker room or with the teammates or anything? It could be. I really hope it wouldn't be, but it could be. You know, I think it just depends on the makeup of the team and what kind of team you got and who the player is at the end of the day. Uh, you know, so I think there's a lot of a lot of things. That, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to at some point in this country getting to a point where this isn't news or it's, it's just the way it is. You know, some, some guys do this, some guys do that, and uh, and it's not news. And I, that's, I think, more so than anything that I'm looking forward to that to that uh, to that point in our culture where we're not making a big deal out of this because and, and I understand why we are now. Don't get me wrong, I, I do understand the relevance and the, the, how big this is. I'm just saying I, I'm hoping to get to that point where it isn't a big deal anymore. That everyone, it, you know, everyone's okay with doing what they want to do, and and that it's not like I said, we got other issues that we're, we're going to deal with. So. I, I think we can handle it. I know I could. I, I know a lot of players in the NFL that could. But you know, you got to know your locker room, and I think it'd be interesting to see. But I, I think it's only a matter of time, too. I, I really do. I think within the next couple, two, three, four years, I think you're going to see someone come out. Last two things, Eric. Which NFL player would you pay to watch? Which NFL player would I pay to watch? That's a good question. Um, you know, I got to watch. Michael Vick back when he was still doing it, <laughs> and that was something that was something pretty spectacular. You kind of because you saw him run. And he, people don't realize how fast he really was, and I think he still is to a larger extent. But you see him playing and doing a thing, and he's he's really fun to watch because you never know what you're going to get. I mean, I've had to play against Peyton. Gosh, I think I've played against Peyton. Let's see, twelve, thirteen times. I, I've played against Peyton, and that's you know, he's like a surgeon. I mean, you know every time what you're going to get from Peyton. So and while it's amazing, you, you, there's nothing that almost surprises you anymore because that's how good he is. You know, Vic was a guy that he could, you know, he would break away from the DBs, but all at the same time he could launch it 70 yards in the air. He could do so many different things. Uh, now these days, you know, guys, Jamal Charles, a guy I played with last year, 
special special player could just have that special breakaway speed. Andre Johnson's a guy I played with that I would definitely buy a ticket to watch because I've seen him from that wide receiver position take over games. Um, you know, when I was growing up, uh, my favorite player growing up was Dick Buckus, the linebacker for Chicago Bears. And there's, you know, I love watching really great linebackers play the game as well. And so those, those are the kind of positions I really like watching and watching those guys dominate. Now, I don't know how funny this is going to be, but my boy Justin just texted me. He said, I'm, I'm going to read this to you verbatim, how he sent it to me. He says, tell Eric I was at Shab's bachelor party with him in Miami. And is it true that David, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to give last name, is it true that David was catching seagulls on the beach with a towel and some potato chips? <laughs> yes. I think it's, it might still be on YouTube, uh, to be honest with you. That, uh, that is a true story. He was, uh, he was sucking the, the seagulls in and then, and then uh, acting like he wasn't moving and then grabbing them. And I think he got a couple of them. It was, uh, it was pretty funny. It was, uh, it was a sight to see. It was good times. He told me that would give you a laugh. Listen, Eric, thank you for a few minutes of your time, but here's the last thing. I'm not a memorabilia guy at all. The only thing I have in my seat in my house that I purchased was two seats from the old Yankee Stadium. But every guest I have on, from your boy Shaw to Canty, Rick Meyer, Tim Couch, anyone, I send him down a jersey or a helmet. So we finish the interview. I'll text you. I'll hit you up. And when you sign with a team, I'm going to send you down that jersey, and you send me one up signing. Is that a deal? All right. Sounds good. Eric, thank you so much for your time. man. listen, good luck with the free agent process, man. All right, thanks a lot. See you guys. Have a good day, Eric. Eric Winston, what a good guest. It was, it's funny because I wanted to start the show with, not to jinx him, but my last four guests. Here's the last four guests to have on. The USA Olympic gold medalist, Marcus Brown. He was picked by Sports Illustrated, USA Today, all these other publications to win the gold medal in the Olympics. I interview him. Three days later, he loses the first match, which he was supposed to destroy the guy. Then I interview WWF legend Kamala. Great interview, hilarious. We have a great time just just kicking it. Old wrestling stories. A few days later, I just text him to say thank you. I don't hear from him for like a week. I read in the newspaper, his diabetes acted up. He loses his right leg. Then I interviewed Quentin Anderson. He was a rookie at the beginning of the year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I interviewed him. That night, he gets cut by the Buccaneers. And just a few days ago, we interviewed... New York legend, NBA All-Star, Kenny Anderson. Great interview, great time. He's promoting his book and how he's doing this and that. Yeah, drunk driving arrest, and he got fired from his job. So Eric Winston's going to turn it all around. It's like the Madden Jinx now on my show. Listen, everyone, thank you for listening. Eric Winston was awesome, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good day. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.